Red Sox, obviously, Orioles next week, opening day. Uh, it's kind of your thoughts, state of the Orioles. What's your uh, expectations coming into this year? I mean, after last year and the success that they had, I, I mean, people are hyped up. I'm excited. Um, expectations, are it's weird because we haven't, the Orioles haven't had expectations since 20, I guess, 18 when they kind of went, they, that was the last year that they had the core of Machado and Davis and Britton and Jones and JJ Hardy and those guys. Um, so it's it's been a long time since we've had expectations. Um, and again, I think people are hyped up. I, again, they finished two games over 500 last year. Um, and people, I mean, the expectations are playoffs. Like people legitimately think, and I'm one of them, I think they can get a wild card spot. I'm not ready to say. You know, they're going to win 98 games and, and, you know, contend for the division. But I think if you look at they didn't add any huge pieces. They got guys like James McCann and a couple other minor people. But they're also adding a full season of Adley, a full season of Gunnar Henderson. Grayson Rodriguez is likely going to start the season with them. Um, and then when you factor in the, the 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 balanced schedule where the Orioles are now not playing the A at least 19 times a year, I think that benefits the Orioles more than any other team. I think, I mean... You, again, you look at it the last couple of years, whatever team dominates the Orioles, that they win the division. It's just plain and simple. That's what happens. So now that we're not getting our teeth kicked in 19 times by the Yankees and the Rays and the Blue Jays and the Red Sox, like that's it's perfect for, for the Orioles. So I think it sets up for them to have a good year. So the expectations of like 80, 88, you know, 89 wins, something like that, and, and maybe a playoff, you know, they could sneak in that second wild card spot. I think that's right where we are right now. I was going to kind of say, I, I haven't, I couldn't even tell you the last time that I've gone into a season and thought, holy cow, like the Orioles are actually a better team than the Red Sox. Um, I mean, they were last year, obviously. And I mean, it's kind of hard to argue that they aren't this year. So I was, I was telling Connor from Locked On, I was kind of telling him, I was like, hey, like, I used to see the Orioles on the schedule and then I'm like, Oh, well, that's a series win. Let's move on. And fa- you know, I'm looking forward to the blue Jays on Monday after the weekend. And that's not the case anymore. And it's, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how to feel about it, but, um, I don't know. It, I'd rather have the Orioles than the other guys, but what are your thoughts <laughs> on? I knew you kind of touched on it. So they didn't really make very many moves this off season. Um, I, one of my favorite moves actually Kyle Gibson, but, um, what about, just how do you think that just the minor moves? And I know you kind of just talked about you have a, another season of like Adley and some of the, and obviously Henderson starting the year. Um, what were your thoughts, I guess, on the free agent acquisitions and not going maybe more or, or higher, bigger name? Um, I mean, it, it was frustrating and, and I'm usually, I'm not one of the more hothead guys on Twitter. You'll see people who flip out over every move. I'm kind of just like, Hey, Elias was hired to do a job. You know, like I'm, I'm leaving it up to him. There are people who nitpick every move that this franchise makes and all that. Um, so when he said that after they traded Trey Mancini last year, 
And Elias personally flew down to Texas where the team was and let them know, like, hey, guys, listen, I know this sucks, but, like, there's a plan in the long run. And he, and he told the reporters, like, listen – this offseason, it's liftoff from here. We're going to spend money. We're going to we're going to you know um, increase the payroll. That's what he said. But all the all us fans, and this is where I kind of got sucked in too. Elias said it's going to be liftoff, and so we're all like, oh, hell yeah! Like we're you know Trey Turner, we should get Rodon. Like you might you know probably save up for Otani next year too. And then so we were all very excited for this offseason. Like yeah, listen, you know they're gonna they should be in the mix for Correa, maybe a Turner. You know again a Carlos Rodon. Chris Bassett, guys like that, you know, Nate Evaldi, a lot of us wanted. And then when it didn't happen and it's like, oh, Adam Frazier and Kyle Gibson, and then they trade for Cole Irvin, it's like, that's that's not liftoff. That's not what we were promised. Um, so, you know, a lot of people were upset with that because, again, you're promised, you know, a, steak, a nice steak and lobster dinner, and then you get home and you got McDonald's sitting there, and you're like, oh, oh okay, that, that's fine. Like, I, I'll eat though, it. Still good, though, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I'll, don't get me wrong. I'll eat it. Like, you put it in front of me, and I'll eat it. But it's like, oh, we. Were, I, I thought we. I thought I was getting fillet tonight. A, a burger's fine. I'm okay with that. Um. So you know, I, I got my hopes up, kind of. But you know, to Elias's credit, he said we're going to increase the payroll. They've done that, barely, a little bit. They've done it. You know, and and so yeah, it, it was kind of frustrating to again watch guys like Chris Bassett and and Rodon and 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 um. Evaldi and just some of the other guys go because you're like, oh, they could have done that contract. And and it does. It's important that it, it it takes two to tango again. Like the Orioles could have offered them, you know, Evaldi his exact contract. But he's like, listen, I want to go pitch with the It takes two to tango. We don't know if they offered these guys. So that's what I had in the back of my mind. Plus, with the way the the ownership is right now and there there's some front office stuff going on. People have to remember, like Elias is spending John Angelos's money. So. He can say anything he wants, but at the end of the day, it's not his money to spend. So that's what I was kind of thinking. Like, listen, Elias could have been banging on the door, being like, let us, I want to sign this guy. And they're like, no, 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 we're going to hold off right now. And again, it sucks because Elias is the one who made the comments, but I'm hoping next year again is the year where they really start to spend some more money on these free agents. I think everyone would be fine if they just, you know, pulled a Braves and signed Gunner and Adley to like eight, 10 year extensions for $180 million. And we'd be fine with that. You know, I'll, I'll count that as a free agent signing. Um, so yeah, I was kind of disappointed with some of the moves they didn't make, but again, I understand like there's stuff down the road that they're going to do. And again, it's like you can sit there and bitch, or you can just sit there and kind of trust these guys. Again, the guy who was part of building a world series winning team in Houston. So it was disappointing, but I, I kind of understand what was happening and and again think that going forward it's gonna it will gradually get better kind of sounds like red sox twitter andrew when he was <laughs> talking about them bitching and complaining about every little thing and uh-huh. you know, that happened today with just the announcement of the rotation it's like these rotations aren't going to stay the same all season long stuff's going to constantly change and switch based off how guys are getting you know hurt or coming back from injury it's just it's mm-hmm. Wild. The opening day starter thing is the most like overblown <laughs> thing in all of baseball. It's incredible. Like it's it's like uh, yeah. I mean, I, I remember even like like oh, he's on the opening day roster, which is like I understand that's it's awesome, it's cool for like these young players, but like we've also seen guys get sent down the day after opening day, and it's like all right, well now you're back in AAA. Like you know, like <laughs> it doesn't matter. It, it's it's a it's a. A six month season, like moves are going to happen. So, I, yeah, the opening day starter thing is always laughable. Like, it's, it doesn't mean anything really. Yeah, I was, I was kind of laughing at the whole, uh, 
you know, people kind of threw a fit when they saw Corey Kluber starting and, um, it's just like, dude, it doesn't mean he's the ace of the staff. Doesn't mean he's even the best pitcher. He could probably end up being the four in July. Like, uh, he's probably going to slot in there. I mean, who knows? So it's like, I don't know. It's just way overblown. So, um, you just got to throw the guy who's the most ready and who can try to get you the most outs. But I don't know, man. It's been, it's been crazy watching all that go down this week. Yeah. I mean, again, I, 2020, I think the Orioles started Tommy Malone in, in Fenway, the opening day starter. It's like Tommy Malone, like, the guy's 48 years old or whatever. Like that, and pe- Again, people were flipping out about that. It was like, dude, who cares? It's literally one game. It does not matter. Not matter at all. Like, it's crazy. Um, I want to ask you about Ryan Mountcastle because we uh, we did a uh, pod this week. We were doing our um, divisions and expectations and breakout players. And one of the guys uh, mentioned that Mountcastle, he thinks, is going to be a breakout player in the American League, uh, mentioned that, he was probably one of the more unlucky hitters last year in baseball and that he, so Baltimore, they pushed the fences back, right? At Camden is that, and yep, that the, le- the left field fence, they pushed it back like 30, 30 some feet. I think they, it was, they m- pushed it back and then raised it too. And because of that, he, if you looked at his spray chart and I'm not like one of those, you know, stack cast number guys, I just, you tell me I'll run with it. Um, <laughs> but he said that, he missed out on like five or six homers at home because of that. But with the hard hit data and all that other nonsense that he could be the eighth Oriole in history to hit, have a 40 home run season. Do you see that with Mountcastle? Do you think he could be a dude that can hit 40 bombs? Oh, absolutely. I mean, his, his power is incredible. I know he hit a home run. I think the center couple, I think off sale, he smoked one off sale the other day. Um, and yeah, you know, I saw someone tweet and they were like, the left field wall doesn't matter if you hit him in the center, which is true. Yeah. Um, but again, I mean, he's he's a big, strong dude. And yeah, like, he, you know, again, he lost a handful of home runs to to the wall, but it's like he still has the power to hit him over. Um, and he's got some opposite field power. And he's just he's he's just become such a good hitter. Um, and yeah, again, the metrics showed that he was really unlucky last year. But like he just had another hit three minutes ago and he's batting 421 in spring. And I'm not a guy who's like, Again, you have to take these spring training stats. You have to worry about them because I don't think you do. But like stuff like that is like, all right, it's good to see that again. It looks like he has his timing down, his rhythm down. And again, he's hit and he's hitting the ball hard. And I think that's what matters. Um, he's just such a strong guy and he, he's, he's become a really good hitter. His, his plate discipline could get better. Like he, he does swing at, uh, you know, not the greatest pitches, but I, he's still a young kid. I, I, I have all the faith in the world that he'll grow into a really good hitter and even better hitter. Than he is now. And again, I mean, I was talking to someone in his family like an hour ago, and I said, like, I, I think 35 home runs, like, it's definitely doable. Um, and again, I mean, we know that the summers in Baltimore get hot and that the ball flies out of the ballpark. I mean, all it takes is one good week and he's and he's getting those five or six home runs back. Um, and then again, you you talk about the the games that he's playing in Boston in in Toronto, in Tampa, in New York, the ball flies out of these ballparks. Like he's go, he's he, forty home runs would not shock me at all. I could definitely see that from him. He's one of those guys who, when he's hot, he's hot, and he's going to hit the ball four hundred feet. Doesn't matter what direction. So I, I'm really excited for him. I do, I do think he takes a step forward. And we saw his game kind of just everything is developed. Like he used to be, he was a fine fielder. He was okay. And then last year, it was like, holy crap, this guy's gotten really, really good defensively. So he, I, I think his game all around is improving. And again, it, it's great to see. And yeah, 40 home runs 
would not shock me at all if if he ended up at you know 40 41 42 something like that you were just uh kind of talking about hitting bombs uh have you talked yourself into the franchi cordero experience yet <laughs> i i've i've thought about it i haven't i don't think i've publicly said anything um but again i think he's hitting like 500 in spring training and again it's like <laughs> staring it off kind of got to pay attention and again the Orioles need a left-handed they're looking for a left-handed backup first baseman and you know Franchi could be that guy you could slip him in there I think um and uh, you know I mean obviously I talked to Jared Carabas when they signed him and I was like just give me the lowdown and he he was like he's gonna frustrate the hell out of you but then he's gonna hit like a 440 foot home run and you're gonna be like yeah there it is like this is what it's all about so I hey I'm down I, I I am fully okay with the Franchi experiment or experiment. Um, again, it's he's not going to play 140 games for them. He's going to play, you know, if 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 they need a lefty off the bat the bench late, sure, we'll try it. Um, I don't know how long he'll stick on the roster, but it's been fun in spring training. The only thing I don't like is is that they gave him 16, which is my my guy Trey's old number. Yeah, so it's tough. I was like the body the body's still warm. Like let's let's give give that one a little bit. It's nothing against Franchi, um, but. Yeah, again, I mean, all of Baltimore is kind of like, yeah, sure. Like, this this could be fun for a little bit. I don't know how long, but a little bit. You know, I'm sure he's going to frustrate the hell out of us. But again, oh, we, yeah. we doubled the full season of, of Ruggie Odor last year. So nothing can be really more frustrating than that. Yeah, you, there's no in-between on Franchi. You, you are going to either hate him or you just are going to absolutely love him in the moment. But it's just like there is zero in between. You're not like, okay, like I'm content with him on the team. You're, you're like, this guy, get this guy the hell out of here. Or like, yes, like I need this. But um, that was Odor last year. Yeah. Yeah. And Chris was saying it's good content, too. You can uh, whenever he does hit those 500 foot home runs in AAA later on in the year, you can be like, hey, look, Franchi <laughs> did this down in AAA and it's a nice little uh, Twitter action. So um, you love and hate him. But um I, I need your thoughts. I was going to ask you, so you don't have to take long on it, but we had a guy who's trying to make the Orioles team on our podcast a couple months ago, uh, Josh Lester. And he actually, he started off terrible. I was peeping the box scores and then he all of a sudden just started popping off. And then he was kind of like throwing his name in a little bit, being like, Hey, like might be a long shot to make the roster at this point, but He's trying to stick around a little bit. Have you? What have you seen from Lester? Same thing. I, I remember again. It was maybe two weeks ago. Someone tweeted like, "We're like you know three weeks away from opening day, and Josh Lester is taking at bats from like guys who will actually make the team." And then like it was like two or three days later, and he just started going on a tear. And the guy like retweeted. It may have been Connor. I think so. I don't know who it was. I think it was Connor. I saw. Yeah, it. and he like retweeted. He like retweeted it and was like, "Well, never mind." Like I guess Lester's fully in the competition now. And like, I'll be honest. Like before the Orioles signed him, I had no clue who this guy was. I was like, I don't, I don't know who this guy is. He's just another, you know, he's another bat in the system, I guess, right now. But yeah, he's. Again, I mean, that's a good thing is like the Orioles are giving these guys chances. So they're they're getting a lot of good looks down there and they're playing with like the regulars and they're they're getting into good game, you know, action. So, yeah, I mean, if, if he if he's going to keep hitting, send him on up like, we, you know, there's a, there's a decent, sh- decently short right field porch in, uh, in Camden. So he could poke some out there. Yeah, I, I, I'm fully down for it again. I, I, I did not know much about him, but, uh, you know, a month ago, a month and a half ago, but. If he's going to hit some bombs and play well, absolutely. You know, we got a jersey for you. So, yeah, I just could not believe. And Connor kind of talked about this too. He's like, he came from Detroit last year. They gave, he was tearing it up in AAA um, in Detroit. And then they gave him five games and then they sent him back down. And they're like, 
of all teams, you think Detroit could use a little, you know, whatever he's bringing right now? Because I know anybody. there's, yeah, I know the Tigers do not have a starting nine that are producing better than him. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just had to ask because we had him on a few months back and he's a former Mizzou guy. So uh, it's been like kind of nice rooting for him. And um, I don't know. He's, I'm, I'm being selfish and hoping he makes it. I know it's a long shot, mm-hmm. but. Decent chance he finds his way. He finds some game action at some point. The Orioles, they like to do the Norfolk taxi is what we call it, where they'll just shuffle guys up and down from, from their AAA. So decent right. chance you see him in an Orioles jersey this year. All right, we're rooting for him uh, for the opening day roster, especially <laughs> the fact that you guys are coming up here next week. So we'd like to try to link up with Josh. Be cool to link up with the MLB player, another team. Um so uh, when we talked to Connor, I wanted to ask this too. So Connor had mentioned there's a there's a guy in the system, Joey Ortiz, a prospect. I think he's like number eighth uh, infield prospect. You guys got a ton of shortstops, and he mentioned that you can either flip them in trades or and obviously those players are super versatile. Uh, but he called him, and I quote, the best offensive shortstop the Orioles have ever had. Do you agree with that? The best offensive? Uh, best offensive shortstop the Orioles have ever had, yeah. Ooh. I mean, I they've had some good ones. <laughs> I'll say that they've had some good ones. Cal, I mean, Cal's not too shabby. Um, you know, Miguel Tejada led the AL in in um in RBIs. Like, you know, he. I mean, I don't know. They've had some guys, and and they still they have a bunch of guys too. Like like you said, and um, yeah. I mean, I remember. So I, we taught we interviewed Grayson Rodriguez, who's again probably going to make the opening day roster. I think two years ago. And we asked him, like, listen, you got, you know, there's a ton of studs down here that everybody knows. Who's one guy that nobody really knows except for you guys down at this COVID camp? And he said, Joey Ortiz. He said, it didn't even have to think. He said, this guy is going to be a stud. And he was like, he had just hurt his shoulder and he had to get, you know, reconstructive surgery. It, it messed up his swing. He had to get, he had to basically like learn a new swing. And it took him a little bit. But ever since then, he's been awesome. Like, like he's been killing the ball. He, he he's just put on a show and he's Grayson again two years ago said his glove is MLB ready right now the defense is there he he will play in 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 the bigs and you will talk about his glove but he was like usually it's like one or the other it's like a guy's really good you know with the glove but he can't really hit or he's really good with the bat but he he boots a lot of balls you know he, Grayson was like he's got it all like once he puts it together he's going to be unbelievable so yeah I'm I'm really excited and again he's not one of their He's not a sexy name. He's not a Jordan Westberg or a Jackson Holiday or a, you know Connor Norby. He's kind of a forgotten guy. But like like Connor was saying, like you can either trade him. I mean, any team is going to drool over a super athletic shortstop. You know, a, a guy like Ortiz. So I'm excited to. I've never seen him play. I've I've seen the clips and all that, but I'm I'm super excited to see what he can do because again, they've been saying like. This guy's glove is MLB ready right now. And it was like when he was a year out of New Mexico, you know, he played on uh, New Mexico State with um, it's a guy, Nick Gonzalez, who got drafted by the Pirates, who just hits yep. the hell out of the ball. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he's a really intriguing player. He's one of those guys who I'm like, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do with him, if they're going to hold on to him or trade him or, you know, try and find a, a spot for him. But, yeah, he he it seems like he has all the tools to be an absolute stud of a shortstop. So I, I'm he's definitely an, an intriguing guy to to keep an eye out for. I'm going to piggyback Chris's question because he kind of uh, talked about it. So uh, even, you know, Connor was saying you guys have all of these, you guys have like a ton of shortstops and they're all pretty highly ranked prospects, but he's like, 
how are they all going to get room to play? So it's like, could you see them if they're at a point this year before the trade deadline, maybe packaging a couple of these guys for a starting pitcher or maybe uh, upgrade on the MLB offense? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's been Elias's go-to move is package prospects for uh, an established starting pitcher. He did it in Houston. I, I mean, he's traded for the Famers and Zach Greinke, Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander. Like, he, he knows what he's doing. And again, that's why it's like, uh, you know, w- when they didn't go out and make those trades, you know, make those signings, it's also like you got to think. And I'm like, well, again, they have three years ago, this team had zero infield depth. They were there was like Richie Martin, Jemai Jones, Ryland Bannon, like just random names of guys who were just guys. That's all they were. They were guys and rule rule five guys. And now it's like, again, you blink and it's like, oh, shit, we got. We, now we have too many shortstops. Again, it's a great problem to have because these guys are usually athletic and you can move them around anywhere around the infield. But it's also like there's nowhere in the infield to put these guys because there's just so many of them. So, yeah, I, I could definitely see them, you know, again, a Jordan Westberg, a guy who's just been hitting the hell out of the ball this this spring. Again, um, you know, Connor Norby, Kobe Mayo, who plays third base. Like, I can see them packaging some of these infield guys for for a, an established starting pitcher. And Shane Bieber was a name that was tossed around a lot. I don't think the Indians or Guardians are going to, you know, move him. Uh, Pablo Lopez um, was also a name before he got traded from Miami. But, yeah, I, I could – it would not surprise me if I wake up one day and it's like the Orioles have traded Connor Norby, Jordan Westberg, and 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 Anthony Santander, or someone like that. For you know, it's an absolute stud of a pitcher. You know, again, they just have so many guys. I think in Fight Club, he said, you know, you got to break some eggs to make an omelet, which I think is a hundred percent like the mindset you have to have. Like, and that's the thing; it's going to suck losing some of these guys, but that's the good. It's a good problem to have if you have a good farm system like this, because again, I I think both of us we all know like prospects don't always work out. So it's like if you can trade some of these guys. And then they don't work out. It's like, oh, perfect. Yeah, you know, we, we kind of made out there. But yeah, I can I, I definitely think that something has to happen where they're going to trade so, at least a couple guys to to improve the uh, the rotation, I think. Shane Bieber is a guy that I wanted the Sox to go after the last couple of years. Um, I'm curious whether or not Cleveland's going to be able to extend him. Um, mm-hmm. But I could see him on it with a team like you said it like Baltimore could be a sneaky team. Houston could be a sneaky team. Um, you know, I, I've always been a huge Bieber fan. I would have, again, would have loved him to be here, uh, be here in Boston, but with that big free agent class coming up next year too, with the pitchers, I mean, it is loaded and, you know, Baltimore wants to expand their payroll just a little bit. There's a ton of options that are out there. You can go make a lesser move this year and then go out and sign that ace next year. Um, mm-hmm. again, one of those guys was in the WBC. WBC just finished up. Um, what what was your overall thoughts with the World Baseball Classic this year? Because it was the first time that I was really in tune to it. The last one, I really didn't. I don't want to say I don't give a shit, but I really didn't give a shit. You know, and this one here, it just it felt different. Yeah, I mean, I was I was big into it in 2017. That was the first one I remember. Like I I had you know asked people at Barstool, I was like, hey. Can I take over the, you know, I, I don't even know what it was, if it was starting nine or Barstool. I think it was just Barstool Baseball back then. And I was like, hey, I'm just going to I'm just going to live tweet the, the whole game. And they're like, yeah, you know, or, you know, the whole tournament. They were like, yeah, go for it. So I was into it and I was up every night watching it. And, you know, like I have the framed Adam Jones catch over, you know, mm-hmm. Manny Machado. It's in my basement. Like I loved it. I was all about it. And, and the team, like. I think it felt different this year because you looked at the player, you looked at the rosters like that 2017 team. Had guys, it you know again Adam Jones, I think Nolan Arenado was on the team. Um, 
you know, guys like that. But this one, it seemed that, I mean, when Trout, you know, when Trout agreed to do it, it's like, oh, shit. Okay, now it's like all the other guys are like, I don't want to play with Trout. That would be fun. You know, let, let's go do that. And so, again, when you had Trout and Mookie and Arenado and, and you know, I mean, you know, all the guys they had, JT Real Muto, uh, Goldie, like guys like that, it's like, yeah, this is this is like an all-star team. Don't you know the, the obviously the pitching staff is is a whole different animal because I, and I get why teams don't want didn't want their guys to go over there and get hurt and I get it, but I mean I that's why I think it was different because you looked at that lineup of like again I mean it, it was just a who's who it was Mookie it was Trout it was Arenado it was Goldschmidt it's like those guys have all won MVPs like wh- how how could you not get fired up watching that? again especially like. When again, it's a random Thursday night, and you're like, "Oh, there's nothing on." All right, yeah, let me let me pop on, you know, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, and then again, it's like, "Oh, these are two other, you know, basically all star teams." Um, so I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I was staying up and watching most of the games. Um, you know, again, watching Otani do what he did was—I mean, it was baseball porn. It was legitimately like, like that that lasted bad. And again, I've tweeted out a bunch of times, but it's almost as like you just have to sit there and be like, "Holy shit!" Like we're watching the two best players in the game at their prime on the same team face each other and again it was just like a movie the 100 100 101 102 and you're like this is this is baseball like this is awesome so i loved it um i again i understand why people wouldn't be into it or d- couldn't get into it that's fine i you know i'm not here to push it on anyone but i thought it was great the games were awesome again you could not a- have asked for a better ending you know um the, just the way everything went down, I, I thought it was fantastic. It was it was a, such a great event. Again, I think with Trout coming on before the game on Tuesday, being like, "I'm in for 2026." Yeah. That's where it's like, "All right, Judge, get your ass out here!" Like all these guys, you know, like Adley, come on, Gunnar Henderson, get come on, we need you. So I, I think he was trying to recruit the guys again ahead of time. And again, I don't know why you wouldn't want to play with guys like that in a tournament like this. Plus, it's like. Would you rather be playing in these meaningful games in, in Miami or Arizona? Or do you want to be in Sarasota or Bradenton, you know, doing doing ground ball drills? Like, come on, man. Just skip town for a little bit and come play some games. Like I so again, I hope more people buy in next year. And uh again, I hope it's like a legitimate all-star team, one through nine, just just of guys who want to win. How many uh how many O's are on the twenty twenty six team, in your opinion? Ooh. Um <laughs> It's like you set the over under at like three and a half. It's like I think Adley for sure. I think I Gunner think could be there. Yeah. Could be Grayson, could be DL Hall. Like, you know, it could be some of these international guys they're signing. Um I'll, if I put it at, at three and a half, I'll say over. I'll we'll, we'll just say that over. It could be Jackson Holiday. Again, we could have all those shortstops that I talked about being up there. Yeah, but I again I could see Jackson, Gunner, um, Adley, just from position players. Who knows what they're going to do with pitchers? I have no idea what they're going to do. Yeah, with pitchers. that's. I mean, but, nobody you know. can guess that. I mean, no, no. And it's it's again. I don't blame any team for telling their guys not to go. Like it doesn't. I. I it's pitchers are are weird animals. They're weird creatures of habit by nature. So like anything that screws with them, it's like just leave them alone. So I don't know. But they they do have to get better pitchers, regardless. Like I don't care how they do it, but they got to get them. Yeah, I, I mean, I love Adam Wainwright. I really do. But and he he actually didn't end up being the worst starter of them all, which I I didn't think he would. But just throwing six year old Adam Wainwright out there, game one of the the WBC is like, damn, like this is the best we had for game one. But no, I mm-hmm. I get it though. It's and he he wasn't that bad. But when, whenever you don't, know, you toss out Nick Martinez and 
Um, Merrill Kelly. Merrill Kelly was <laughs> championship like, oh, game. Man. Again, oh, man. it's like nothing against Merrill Kelly. I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm sure he's awesome. But Japan is not sitting over there like shaking in their boots like it was Garrett Cole or Verlander. You know, it's like, who's, they're like, who's this guy? Like, what? Merrill who? Like, I don't know. But again, shout out to him for he went out and he, he tried to pitch his ass off. So it wasn't awful, but it wasn't great. So, yeah. All right. So I'm going to ask you, however you want to get into it, but it's not a big deal. But the KFC had a little bit of an issue with the WBC, right? Um, obviously, Diaz getting hurt really kind of spawned that whole thing. Um, do you agree, though? Do you really think that? I mean, you mentioned you talked about how the WBC, I, I think it been, was great for baseball. I've talked about for years that baseball needs to do a better job marketing their players. And mm-hmm. this tournament, like, showcased that. When you have, you know, I think you guys wrote a, a blog on it with about Japan being the most, you know, I think it was like 96% of the TVs had it on. You know, that was just like perfect for baseball. I get it from his side. His closer is out for the rest of the season and, you know, he's celebrating. But, um, do you kind of agree though with that kind of stance with the fact that these were meaningless games and the in it shouldn't have taken place? No, I mean the me- meaningless games is like I don't know because again, like I understand where Kevin's coming from, and I I said like I talked to him about it. I was just dicking around with him. I was like, you better I better not see you in a USA shirt when they win, <laughs> and he was like, oh, don't worry, buddy, you won't like, but um. I mean, I don't know, because, like, how would I react if it was Adley who did that? And, you know, he's, you know, he screws up his knee and he's out for the year. I'm sure I'd be the same way. Um, I don't I don't I don't think they're meaningless games, because, again, you see these guys and White Sox. Dave had a good tweet where he was like. A year ago, I would have said the same thing as KFC, but he was like, I just got back from the Dominican Republic watching them play winter ball. And he was like to be down there in that stadium and to feel how excited these people were and to the second you wake up these guys are pumped for winter ball down there and he's like they're going nuts for winter ball and he's like that changed my entire mindset because again it means more to these people like the the dominicans the you know the puerto ricans the, the you know the people in japan he's like these people eat live and breathe baseball and like he said for me to go over there and see that firsthand really changed how he thought about it and i think he's right like and I don't know if we'll ever have that feeling because, again, we are Americans and we have football and basketball and baseball yeah. and golf and soccer and this and that, and, you know, and everything else in the world. Where, again, as the, these kids, these Dominican kids wake up at, at seven years old, grab a stick and all they're doing all day is just hitting. And, you know, they're you know, you've seen the, the videos of them hitting the bottle caps yeah. and fling, you know, they're flinging bottle caps and stuff. And it's like it's just this quite literally is their whole world. So I understand why they take it so seriously and why they love it. I think it's just us like dumb Americans being like, I don't care about this because we have the world series. It's like, they don't, the world series doesn't mean as much to us as it means to them. And it's like, you know, when, when you hear guys on, you know, Dominican Republic and Cuba and Puerto Rico talk about like, this is bigger than a world series. This, this means so much. I truly, I think they're telling the truth because they just love the game that much. And and like, I think them representing their country means more to them than it does for us. And just in a weird way, like, again, like, I think Mookie Betts loves putting on the USA uniform, but it's like Shohei Otani was crying at, like, he was wiping away tears on the field after the game. Like that, I mean, to me, that shows how much these guys really do, like, love it and want, they want to bring it home. Like, I think the, I think the Americans would have been happy, yes. But like, 
is Paul Goldschmidt sitting in, in, in Bradenton, Florida right now with his head down going, I let my country down. I can't believe this. No, but if, if they would have lost, I think Otani would have legitimately been like, I failed my country as a Japanese, you know, as a, as a person from Japan, I failed. And the, the Americans just don't do that because they're like, ah, whatever. I don't, you know, it's whatever. It's, it's, it's fine. So I, I don't know. I don't think they're meaningless games because I get in, I think it's very obvious that the players care about it a lot. And again, would KFC have said that if and gone on the rant if Diaz didn't get hurt? If it was Garrett Cole doing that, you know, would he have been like, this is terrible for baseball? Probably not. Again, I think it amplified it because it was Edwin Diaz. Um, and it sucks that they got hurt. But then again, it's like Reese Hoskins today, That's tracking right. a ground ball. Like, you know, it, injuries happen. Stuff like that is going to happen. So I don't th- I don't think they're meaningless games. Um, I get where he's coming from, though, and why he would say it. But I... Much like the internet, I disagreed with with Kevin. Shocker that the internet did not agree with Kevin on something. I mean, it's it wild that that happened. It was entertaining, like him, obviously him and Barry back and forth. My my honestly, the biggest like what I love the most was the video where Frank went on that rant and like it, like I guess in the office and he was just absolutely just losing his mind. And then he was talking about Scherzer retiring, and I'm like, he never said that. Like, where are you coming with this stuff? So is this just that was I thought was great, um, but. I also get it too. You got to make content and he's got a really big following and you can, he did his job. You, you got people riled up and it generated traffic and, and so I get it. It so. seems like ever since he went on that rant, the games, like the games got so much better. It's almost like yeah. the WBC <laughs> was like, Oh, people think these are meaningless. All right, watch this. Like now we're going to have Japan walk it off to go to the championship. It's like literally, if you look at the, when he said it, Every game past that was awesome. So shout out to Kevin. Kevin's growing the game. You know, it's all it was literally the WBC was literally the Michael Jordan meme where he's like, yeah, I took that shit personally. I took that personally. Kevin talked shit on me. I took that personally. Yeah, it's it kind of reminded me too. I know you were kind of talking about it. It's like it means more to those other countries. And it's like we were just watching the World Cup for soccer. And it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, like the United States was playing teams like way small like uh, i mean obviously we played england and we tied and i know england's obviously soccer is huge over there but every other country besides us soccer is like the number one sport in the entire world Mm -hmm. so it's like it means so much more to them like i i know that like you know polistic and all those guys like wanted to win it for team usa but it's like you said it's like if a guy for argent like messi if he would have lost that he probably would have been depressed for months because he's like that's all mm-hmm. i I wanted a world cup win. i needed that to in my career but it's like usa it's like eh, whatever we like you said we got we got american football we got you know all these other sports playing so i kind of looked at it like that it's like obviously baseball probably isn't the united states first sport I, or best sport i would say obviously like in basketball we dominate every every freaking year but um and then obviously if american football players there's no other nothing like that in the, anywhere else so it's like it's hard it's so hard to gauge it i don't know it's i we're not bad though baseball obviously we just won the last wbc before this one so and we were in the championship game it's not like we have a bad players from this team it's just mm-hmm. i don't know it's just that the fans just don't care as much as like you said the island of dominicans that's all they have well, and it, I mean, it, Kevin and Kevin had this point too, where he's like, "Ask the Americans, like, ask, ask Nolan Arenado if he would rather have a World Baseball Classic championship or a World Series." And it's probably like, pro- you would think that he would say, you know, World Series, and I, uh, yeah. which is again from a you know, but it's like if you ask Otani or you ask. I mean, I you know, it's like ask a guy on, you know, ask Manny Machado or ask Nelson Cruz. Like, 
you know, would you rather represent, you know, represent your country and, and, and have this win or would you rather have a World Series title? I don't know. I mean, it's tough, but I, you know, I, I get what you're saying too, because the World Cup thing is, is a good argument. Because again, if the world, when, when USA lost, you know what I did? I turned the game off and I went, see in four years. Don't, yeah. you know, not going to change my day to day at all. So it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good comparison. I didn't really watch the World Cup. I can't do soccer. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, sure. Like I watched the final, but I was, I'm not like, like same thing. I watched the USA game and I was into it, but I wasn't like living and dying with every pitch. It was just, yeah. or, you know, every, every shot or pass or whatever. Just like, okay, sure. I think that was a bad comparison, but I, I, but I kind of no, understood I, I get what like you're saying. other countries, like they live and breathe that shit like every day. Mm-hmm. They're just mm-hmm. like, Hey, this is, this is our livelihood. Like, but in here, it's just not soccer's just not it. So, yep. So, uh, as we get, to, get to we'll get to the end here. But uh, and then we talked before we started recording. Know you're a Titans fan, but wanted to kind of get your perception, your perspective rather, with the uh, Baltimore and Lamar Jackson because up here, um, people are ready to to punt Mac Jones and ready to bring in Lamar Jackson. What's kind of like the vibe in Baltimore with Lamar? Do, do they think it's happening? Do they think he, first of all, do you think they, that he's coming back, or do they think this dude's all but gone? I I don't know if you guys have seen what came out in the last hour, two now. Oh, with this, the this rep- or the misrep. Uh... This so so the whole story all along is, and it's it was popular, you know, during the draft. Lamar doesn't have an agent. His mom is his quote unquote agent, which everyone has said it's a cute story coming out of the draft. You're slotted into what you're going to make. It's a great story. You know, oh, look, his mom is his agent, blah, blah, blah. But when you're on the cusp of a quarter of a billion dollar deal, you can't have your mom negotiate. You can't. You, I don't care how many, you know, your mom's not a lawyer. She's not an agent. She's not Drew Rosenhaus. She can't do these deals. So people are legitimately upset and pissed off about that. Um, I was talking to a friend the other day where I said, when when Lamar won that unanimous MVP in 2019, I said, could you imagine that there would be a time where in four years there was a shot that there's a chance that he may not come back? And they were like, they, I would have had you tested for every drug in the world, you know, if, if you would have told me that in 2019. And it, I mean, it really is, again, from the outside looking in, it is crazy to see how this has transpired and and this all the back and forth. And, and like now, do I think he comes back? I do because I don't know if there's any other teams who are going to be willing to put up with this bullshit. Yeah. If I'm the Colts or you know I I'm the um the Commanders or someone like that, am I being like do I really want to, you know, invest so what you got to send what two first round picks plus, you know, you have to sign this guy to a 150 million dollar guaranteed contract like I'll just go out and get Jimmy Garoppolo for a fourth of that or something like that without the draft picks. So I, I think he comes back because I don't think any of these teams want to invest as much. I, first off, I don't think they want to do guaranteed money, um, which again, shout out to the Browns for screwing that up for everybody. Yeah. Uh, um, and th- that, I mean, that's what I think it comes down. It's, it comes down to the guaranteed money. And yes, they offered him like, I think it was 133 million guaranteed, which is like the third most ever. He turned that down. So to me, again, if I'm the Ravens, I'd say to the fans, like, yo, listen, we tried. You can ask if you can be the ugliest kid in high school and ask the hottest girl to prom. And if she says no, you can at least go, hey, I tried. She said no. She's the bad person. If I'm the Ravens, I'm saying, guys, we offered the third highest guaranteed contract ever. And he said no. What do you want us to do? You know, because again, we, we've seen it before. 
and obviously Mahomes kind of erased it, but he's a unicorn. Like you, it's it's hard to win these Super Bowls if X amount, you know, you're 35, 40% of your cap is is wrapped up in one guy. So it's like and again, the Ravens, they already don't have offensive weapons out, you know, at wide receiver. They have J.K. Dobbins and Andrews, and they're good. But, I mean, they're wide receivers. We, Us three could go out there, and we could, like, legitimately, you know, without, you know, take away Rashad Bateman. But, like, we could put up, you know, we'd get catches in that offense. They just don't have anyone. So it's like, do you really want to pay him all this guaranteed money? Plus, he's been an injury risk the last two years, you know. And then again, it's like you're going to go back to signing guys like Sammy Watkins and Deshaun Jackson and Des Bryant when they're way past their prime. So I don't. All I know is I'm in I'm in group chats with all my friends in the podcast I do. They're all Ravens fans, and I just sit back and I'm like, this is wild. Like watching you guys just lose your shit over because it's something every day now. It's it's something. And again, I have friends in the sports media business down here. And they're just like sending me texts like, I can't deal with this guy's ego. I want him gone. Get him out of here. Just bring in whoever. So I I, I, I don't know what happens. I do think he ends up coming back and playing on the, the franchise tag. I don't think they're going to get a deal done with him because it seems obvious that he does not want to be here. Um, where he wants to go, I don't know. Like what he wants to do, nobody knows. And again, that's the part about not having an agent. You don't have the agent out there to mold the storyline how you want to mold it like the guys who text Schefter and say like wow Jimmy Garoppolo's foot is healing well he could play you know in the playoffs like that's all from the agent Lamar doesn't have that so all the negative stuff is being reported and there's no like positive spin on it it's just his mom (laughs) doing god knows what so it's it's one of the more fascinating things I can ever remember in the NFL like again this guy was a unanimous MVP four years ago and now there's a shot that he's not back with the Ravens because he's turning down because he wants 160 guaranteed or something like that. So I don't know. Again, as a Titans fan, I hope he's gone. I hell bring him to Tennessee. I don't care. Like we got nobody down there anyways. Like let him and Derrick Henry run the offense for a year and then we'll just we'll go from there. But I don't know. It's it is it's amazing to watch unfold from the outside looking in. I'm sure you guys are thrilled about it, too. Like you don't want him in Baltimore. You know, no. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, too, because I was going to throw you in one more quick one before we kind of wrap up. But it's like, you know, you were kind of saying like, hey, bring him to Tennessee. It's like, what is Braves doing? I'm I'm just like a little obviously the Patriots haven't really done anything crazy either. So it's like I, I get it. But what what are your thoughts on who starts more games at QB this year? Are you sold on the, uh, you know, on Malik or is, is Tannehill still no. the guy? I, I'm so confused by Tennessee. I'm going to be honest. I was legitimately pissed like two days ago when Josh Dobbs signed with the Browns. Cause I was like, there goes the second best quarterback on the roster. <laughs> like I, I'm not a Malik Willis fan at all. I, I, okay. Sh- small sample size. I, I get it. I saw him in what did he start three games last year. I'm like, this guy is not it. And again, maybe I'm jumping to conclusions. Maybe I was mad because they lost to the Chiefs and they should have won that game because they were up. But um, yeah, I, I, I think Tannehill just because of the amount of money he's owed. Um, and it does suck because I love Rabel. I think he is an awesome coach. Like he is a guy who will squeeze every ounce of talent he has out of someone. They just the guys just love playing for him. They just they love him as a person. Um, so again, I think, I think a guy like that can definitely get talent out of, you know, guys who maybe aren't the best, but you know, it's, and it sucks because again, now like the rumor that they may trade Derek and they may, you know, they're getting rid of all these guys, but I think it's, I think they see the writing on the wall right now. Like they're not in great cap space. 
or you know in, in, in a good position for the cap so it's like listen do you want to redo the bathroom now the kitchen later and then the living room or the basement or do you just want to do you just want to say screw it and let's just get a new house like you know it's like it, it's going to have to happen eventually you're going to have to tear it all down so it's like do you pull the bandaid off now and do it and again you see that in the nfl where a lot of teams will just kind of strip everything down so i think that's what's happening and we saw what happened last year when when they traded aj brown and Vrabes was pissed about that um so i you know i don't know it, it's i think it's gonna be a long year in tennessee which sucks because again they've been they've been you know pretty damn good for the last four or five years but i think that kind of comes to an end this year